Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Well, to be honest with you guys, I uh, have, this is not the first Advent journey through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, not the first time I've preached a little Advent series called Scruffy Christmas. Um, but you guys are lucky because the original manuscript for Scruffy Christmas sermons were lost in the technological black hole, which is good because it was early on in my preaching career and a little rough around the edges. The first time I did Scruffy Christmas as an Advent series, an Advent meditation, um, I got interesting feedback. It was the first Sunday of Advent, the bulletins are out, you know, in the lobby or whatever, and I'm down in uh, the pastor's study, kind of getting ready, and in walks Marge, holding uh, a bulletin. There are a lot of Marges in the church that I pastored up in Michigan, and this Marge was super sweet. Uh, she's a bit of a firecracker. She's a career pastor's wife. We would now retire. She's in her 80s. And uh, she comes in holding the bulletin. says, Scrubby Christmas. What, what is Scrubby Christmas? Christmas is a, is a time for happiness and cozy, coziness and joy. What, what are you? Christmas isn't scrubby. And I was like, well, here you march. But, you know, when I look at how Matthew chooses to tell the story of Jesus' birth, uh, I noticed a lot of scruffy things. And honestly, scruffy is kind of like a, a, a nice word for it. There's some tragic things, devastating, traumatic things surrounding the birth of Jesus. And I think it can be encouraging to see that Jesus enters into the world in the midst of messy, painful things that get into Enter our lives in messy, painful things. Mark was quiet for a minute. And she said, Well, it was Christmas Eve many years ago. When my 16-year-old daughter told us that she was pregnant, we were devastated. My husband Dave was a pastor at the time, and he felt he needed to resign. So the next day, at the Christmas church service they had, we confessed it to the church, and Dave resigned. How's that for a cozy Christmas morning? You know, your kid got pregnant, which is a lot to process, and then now, on top of that, dad's got to quit his job. Or, probably too. But the church wouldn't let him Marge said a deacon stood up and said that he loved us and that day was his pastor no matter what. And that church loved their family so well with their daughter's pregnancy all the way to delivering the baby and uh, finally an adopted family for the baby. Marge's demeanor softened as she was remembering that painful situation which uh, coincidentally happened at Christmas time. Uh, she, she, she experienced such tenderness from God's people in the midst of Advent's a time where we 
kind of every year we re-enter this season of uh, this mental, emotional space of waiting, of anticipating those who are in darkness will see a great light. We anticipate the coming of Jesus. Advent means arrival, coming of someone important, change things. And I think the way that Jesus arrives on earth can show us a lot about who he is, how he operates. And if you you can think of your own life, your your, your own life as an advent. You, for, you know, from the time you decide to become a Christian and follow Jesus until you go to be with him after you die, is the seed of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is always kind of arriving more and more and more. We're kind of always coming more under King Jesus. And so I want to kind of uh, land the plane of this story in our own lives with the main idea that to, in order to experience Jesus more in our lives, in order to have Advent happen in our lives, uh, it requires disruption and surrender. Often the moments of life, seasons of life, where we have the most clear, direct opportunity to experience the presence of, of Jesus are the moments where we feel incredible disruption and pain, confusion, loss. And you might be thinking, geez, well, if that's how I get Jesus, then no pain. I'm looking for chicken soup for my soul, Jesus, you know, just to kind of add on and pick me up, not disruption and surrender. And if that's what you're thinking, yeah, that's a fair response. And, and I appreciate your honesty. But I think that posture assumes that there is a way to get through life as a human without disruption, pain, and confusion. I think it comes for all of us. It's just a question of will we allow it to bring us to Jesus in the middle of it? I think the world's broken, and so it's coming for all of us. And the questions we have, the options are: will, will we have the courage to receive Jesus in the midst of disruption, or will we fight disruption, fight surrender, and reject Jesus in order to keep our plans intact, our our way of being intact? So let's dive into the story here. Verse eighteen. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant in the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Fascinating that Matthew's telling of the birth of Jesus is, is largely focused on Joseph rather than Mary. And so put yourself in the place of Joseph. You're about to get married. You've been faithful to the law. You've sought to obey God and your fiance, someone you love, someone you're excited to marry, build a family with, uh, cultivate trust and intimacy with, comes to you and says she's pregnant. And instantly, in that moment, all your plans will never be the same. Your dreams are shattered. Uh, the, the story of his life, the narrative that he was living out, the script, if you will, is like, if I'm good, if I obey the law, if I work hard as a carpenter, if I, you know, am a, a good person, then I'll, you know, the steps happen. You know, I graduate college, I, I get married, I, get, I have kids, I get a promotion, I get my, you know, just like it, it goes on. That's now changed forever. The blemish on that storyline. Uh, but I think it shows Joseph's character that he wants to divorce Mary quietly. He cares for her at some point, not too much anger there. Uh, he wants to be, you know, like, I, I kind of got to 
separated from her um, because of the apparent unfaithfulness, but he doesn't want to chain her. And Joseph has the legal right to break it off. Uh, you know, the engagement, betrothal, whatever, was, you know, it, it wasn't fully marriage, but it was more than what we think of as engagement. And so he could, you know, break it off and go pursue the script, pursue the normal life, the plan he was uh, pursuing with someone else. Uh, verse 20. But after he considered this, uh, basically made that decision, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save you from her sin. So if he divorces Mary, who will he miss? Jesus. He will miss the one that God sent to save his people from their sins. Staggering statement. He's instructed by the angel to give the name Jesus, which is a Greek form of the name Joshua, which is a pretty good name if you ask me. And it means in Hebrew, uh, the Lord saves. So in order for Joseph to re receive Jesus, what did he have to give up? Well, he had to allow his plan to get disrupted. The standard narrative of a faithful God-fearing Jewish man to be disrupted and shattered and allow God to write his story. Instead of fighting to you know, keep the pen and be the author of his own story, he had to give it up and let God be the author. And that's true for all of us. That's the way that we receive Jesus. Allow God to be the author of our story, to loosen our hands on the narrative of our life and how we think our lives should go. And instead, when stuff happens, be curious about what God is inviting us into as life unfolds around you. I, I once heard someone say that each suffering comes with an open door. If you have eyes to see it. When you're suffering, it means there's, there's an opportunity available to you. But Joseph had a choice. He could have gone through the divorcing Mary quietly, which would have been legal and fine, and got his life on track with this doubt on Jesus. I don't want to assume that you know, we're all like on board. It's like, yeah, we don't want to miss out on Jesus. Like, wait, let's ask the question. What do you miss out on if you miss out on Jesus? Or another way to say it is, why is receiving Jesus worth letting him disrupt our lives and rewrite our stories? Well, you see the answer in the names given to Jesus in this passage. Two names given to Jesus. The first we've seen, uh, Yeshua, the Lord saves. And the second one in verse 22. Uh, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The reason why it's worth it to let Jesus disrupt our lives is because he is the Lord saves and he is God with us. These two names of Jesus show us that he came to save us from something, and he came to save us to something. You gotta have both. There's a from and there's a to when it comes to salvation. It's easy to focus on just one or the other. Most, most of us, most churches, just focus on the from and not the to. He came to save us from our sins, praise God. We don't have to be stuck in our sin. I thought it was punchy how one commentator summarized it like this. He came to bring the salvation that reckons with the plight in which people involve themselves by their evil deeds. 
It's not going to punch you that morning now that I say that loud. But I thought I thought I would punch you in the sense that we're we're stuck in this plight in which people involve themselves in their evil deeds. The idea of like you're making plans, you're doing things, trying to meet your needs apart from God, and you kind of get stuck, caught up in this like terrible story where your stuff isn't working out and, and falling apart. We're stuck dealing with the sins others have committed against us. And then the ways that we have hurt others. The way we've coped with the sin of others with our own sin is a more holistic understanding of the sin that we need Yeshua to save us from. Thought, thought exercise, or magic with me. You've, maybe you, you've experienced a lot of pain from your father. Verbal abuse, shame, maybe physical abuse. Some people run to drugs and alcohol. Some people run to work. Maybe you run to work to feel okay about yourself through accomplishment work. Feel safe for making lots of money. To deal with this pain, right? this, this, this sin that your father did to you, afflicted upon you, withheld from you. And now, because of your thinking strategy, you've kind of idolized work, and your wife, your kids are hurt and neglected or missing love and blessing that only you can give. It's just like one example, like bread and butter example of human life in our world. But can you see that the suffering and sin that are tied up in all of our stories? We are all sinners and sufferers. We gotta hold both of those things. And again, you kind of fall on either side of that. You know, we're being people up for being sinners, not acknowledging that a lot of that sin is because of Suffering that needs to be healed. And Jesus came to save us from sin and suffering. He came to save us to life with God. Emmanuel, God with us, is the blazing center. I think the most fundamental idea in all of Scripture. God with us. God with you. God with his people. All of Scripture is about God being with his people. That's how it starts. Sin breaks it and separates it. And how does the story end? God will be with his people. He will be the God and he will dwell together. That's how the story ends. Everything that happens in scripture is developing the story, the narrative of God with his people. And the reason why this is such a big deal and worth any disruption, pain, loss, whatever it takes to get deeper into this life with God is because life with God is what our hearts long for, the desire of all nations, of every nation as we sing, joy of all the earth. Life of God is what you were designed, created by your creator to need. And it's the, the, the only thing that will satisfy your soul. You could have a car and it's designed, created to run on a certain type of fuel. If you put a different fuel in, it's not going to go. The stories we're trying to write our lives, when we, when we have the pain, the pen, when we are making the plans, the strategies for how to get through life and be happy or comfortable or accepted and significant. All, all, of, all of the stories that we're trying to write on our own are efforts to meet these God-given needs. And so Emmanuel means God with us, the rest for our weary souls, water, living water for our thirsty hearts. We just finished up Matthew, like a year-long trip through Matthew, Matthew, and right at the pinnacle of Mark's gospel uh, in, in chapter 15, when it says that Jesus finally dies, that he breathed his last on the cross, pouring out his life for the penalty 
of sin. That the, the, on the cross is how he saved us from God's people from their sins. What's the very next thing that God, that Mark includes in his gospel? Anybody remember? Bible should be back. <laughs> That's right. The, the temple, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The, in, the, the inches thick curtain that brought off the Holy of Holies, the presence of God from sinful people was ripped in two when Jesus breathed his last. Because the Lord saves so that now we can experience life with God. We can go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies actually becomes a body. The Holy Spirit dwells with us. It is life with God, in a life with God, that our souls find the rest. It is life with God, the joy, the peace, and love, the fruit of the Spirit that we have been searching for, finally can enter our stories. But it requires submission. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. Jesus, or Joseph, surrendered. He submitted. He obeyed. He allowed Jesus to disrupt his story. And then he took Mary to be his wife. And had what was probably one of the most disappointing honeymoons in the first few months of marriage in history. Until she gave birth to Jesus. And when it says Joseph gave him the name Jesus, uh, that the idea of being able to name your child was a huge deal in first century Israel. So he's he's submitting, surrendering to the instructions to name him Jesus. It was up to the father to name the child. And so he's saying, okay, he's, he's not taking the right that he had as a father, but receiving the God-given name. Joseph received Emmanuel with lots of disruption and surrender and obedience. How's that for a list of super trendy words? Surrender, obedience, disruption. In, in my life, I experienced disruption when after years of pursuing one career path, being a doctor, God shattered my plans and said, don't do that. The way that I was trying to be a doctor did not create space for life with God. It actually kind of cut him out of my life, reduced him to kind of like a backup battery pack when I needed like some extra juice to study. And then to submit to a call to be a pastor. I shared this story before. I said, okay, I won't be a doctor, but I'm going to be a hardcore missionary in the 1040 window. I still like, wouldn't submit to the idea of being a pastor in the States because that's where the junior varsity Christians work and the varsity go overseas, right? You know, as if it's a competition or whatever. I, you know, a lot of work that God's done. But you think about what, what had to be surrendered, which is instead of being perceived as a doctor to be super important and to feel like I'm getting lots of stuff done, What's, what are my rhythms as a pastor? You know, I pray a lot, spend a lot of time listening to people, teaching every week, to wondering if it really matters or moves the needle at all. And there's mercy in that. That God invited me to surrender life uh, to a life where I have to trust that He makes me work, that He makes my life count, that He brings the results. That the, the results I most hope to see is the all as as the fruit of my labors. I am powerless to like force into existence, you know, like spiritual fruit, renewal, revival, conversion, regeneration, all those things that I would, you know, I want to see happen. I can't make that happen directly. 
<laughs> Letting God instruct my plans to become a doctor and submitting to the work of being a pastor, uh, which I absolutely love, I'm so grateful for, you know, most days, uh, has been one of the, the foundational ways that I experienced life with God. A mentor of mine said, I think, uh, you know, that God calls people to be a pastor because they need the most help in time. <laughs> you know, it's not because they're the super Christians, but because they need lots of time because of praying and reading the Bible uh, with their work hours. And to be clear, I'm just telling my story. I'm not making any declarations of like dreams. Like, you don't have to be a pastor to earth yet to experience life with God or being a doctor can be a great way uh, to serve God. But the point is, I experienced this disruption and submission. And can I just testify that it's been a joy that it has brought incredible fruit? You think of your life like a bucket. You were created with a soul like a bucket. Like empty, it has to be filled. It can't not be filled. And I would say that everything you've ever done is connected to filling the bucket to satisfy your desires. It's not wrong, it's not bad to criticize what you desire. But again, God designed the bucket to only be satisfied and be filled with Him. And so what often happens is we are dissatisfied, our lives aren't working. And so we come to God with a bucket that's filled up with other stuff. It's like, if, in the sake of these pictures and metaphors, we need living water inside our buckets, but we've filled it with sand just to have something in there, then there's just not much space. We're weighed down by the, the sand in the buckets. So the bucket metaphor is just to lead up to an invitation to, to consider dumping out the sand. The invitation to embrace subtraction, to use another Christian phrase, prepare your room. We need to embrace sub subtraction to experience life with God <clears throat> in order to prepare room for Jesus to come. We can't just add on to our busyness, our comfort eating, our phone addiction, our political agenda, or you know, whatever, fill in the blank. In order to experience life with God, Emmanuel, we have to allow our plans for filling the bucket to be disrupted and to surrender to an emptiness where we have to actually wait on God to fill it. Like, like an emptiness where it's like, okay, God, it's empty now, and if you don't fill it, it will just be empty. That's a scary place to be. But in my experience, that is like where the magic happens. That's like the core of where we need Emmanuel. And I don't know what this sounds like to you, but we live in a day where addition is the answer to everything. You know, it's like, you want to lose weight, somehow marketing people have got you to buy something. Like, if you're gaining too much weight, the answer is subtraction. Like, that's less stuff, right? But there's still something that we can buy. There's a pill, there's, you know, whatever, a workout bike. If you're sick, you have this pill. If you're unhappy, you know, treat yourself to a new toy or, or whatever. Do, do something more, add something. But I just want to testify, invite you, uh, in, this, in this invitation to God with us to embrace subtraction with the most fruitful rhythms of my life have been subtraction. I subtract food regularly as I fast to prepare room for God to comfort me more than truffle oil kettle chips. I subtract all external inputs and distractions people, books, podcasts, music, TV for, for you know, period of time, for periods of time, and what the ancients call silence and solitude. 
so that I, I, I can prepare room to listen to God carefully. I can pre prepare room to let those things that I'm trying to avoid with all those distractions, those emotions to come before God and let Emmanuel heal them. The risk of belaboring the point, for 24 hours a week I subtract all work, I subtract all getting stuff done on a Sabbath where we as a family prepare room in life to live like God is running the universe. God not. To live and to rest in delight like God is a loving father and I am a beloved son that can rest in delight the way my kids do. But it's, a, it's the preparing room, creating space through these intentional rhythms of subtraction. So what, what subtraction might you need to do to empty the bucket, to embrace disruption and surrender in order to receive the good news of Christmas, which is that God is with us, that God is drawn near into the person of Jesus. This feels, I don't know, a little, maybe a little bit silly, I don't know what it sounds like to you, but like Christmas is like the busiest time of the year. You know, we have parties and cooking and baking and shopping and, you know, everything. What would it look like to let Jesus disrupt some of our, our holiday hubbub? <coughs> to prepare him room. Say no to some of the Christian hype to just do two hours in the prayer room. Or go, go on a slow walk in the woods with Jesus instead of the Christmas crazy. I mean, it would be heartbreaking. I don't know if this is true. I, I sense that it is. That as we try to celebrate Emmanuel, it prevents us from actually experiencing Emmanuel. I'm not trying to make us feel bad for doing Christmas stuff. Like we embraced the crazy yesterday and went to the Christmas tree farm with the little kids and saws and buses and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> What we're talking about, though, remember, is in the context of Yeshua. He's come to save us from our sins. This isn't the question of, like, is it sin to get a tree or not get a tree? This is how do we step, lean further up and further in to life? The sins have been paid for, the debt is erased, and now you can draw near to God. What might the Spirit be inviting you to let go of in order to create space to experience the good news of Christmas? And just imagine if we were a community, a church family, whose lives reflected the truth that we say every Christmas, that the greatest gift is what? Is Jesus, is Emmanuel God with us. What would life together be like in the Christian community as brothers and sisters if we were unified in our desire to be with God above all else? Let Him satisfy us, let Him cultivate joy and peace. And how might that type of community look to a lost, frazzled, dying world? If folks who visit our church, our neighbors who we interact with, that don't know Jesus yet, seem joyful, grounded, non-anxious. tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. 
If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Carl Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.